My name is Bernie and I'm on the staff team here at Trent. And I'm just going to start by sharing a bit of my story with you. About five or six years ago, I remember walking into this church and all of a sudden I went from being okay to not being okay and I couldn't stop crying. I remember feeling super self-conscious. I was worried about what people would think. So I was trying really hard to stop crying and to avoid the sadness that I was feeling, but nothing seemed to be working. Then it came to ministry time and Debbie was leading it. And I remember thinking, I finally feel safe to cry. And it gave me the space to be able to ask God what was going on with me. So in that moment, he showed me a picture of my heart and it had all these large gaping wounds that were open and exposed. Then a floating hand appeared and started to stitch them up one by one. And what God was trying to do by showing me the condition of my heart was that he wanted me to realise that for years I'd been carrying unresolved emotional pain, but I wasn't even aware of it. And in that moment, he was now inviting me to go on a journey of inner healing with him. And a big part of that journey was me learning how to process my pain in a healthy way. So that's what I want to talk about this morning, how to process our emotional pain in a healthy way. And in Matthew 26, Jesus gives us a wonderful model of how we can do this. But before we take a look at this passage, I want us to first consider why it's important to process our emotional pain in a healthy way. The Bible tells us that none of us are immune to pain or suffering. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. You see, trials are going to come. Pain is going to come. Grief is going to come. No matter how hard we might try and avoid it. And maybe you're here today and you're experiencing emotional pain because of something to do with your health or grief, a longing that's unfulfilled, the betrayal of a friend or a painful breakup. The truth is, at one time or another, we will all experience some form of pain in our lives. Also, our emotional health has an impact on our spiritual health. You know what it's like when we're going through a really difficult or stressful season of life. Often the thing that usually slips is the time we spend with Jesus. And looking back on my own life, there were definitely times when I needed to be investing in my relationship with Him, but I couldn't because emotionally I was all over the place and I didn't know how to process my pain. But Pete Scazzaro says this, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. So that means if you and I want to grow as disciples of Jesus, we need to be investing in both our emotional health and our spiritual health. Another reason why this topic is important is because often we don't process our emotional pain in a healthy way. We would rather bury it and move on. 
<clears throat> or we try distracting ourselves from our feelings by drugs or using drugs or alcohol, comfort eating, watching TV, filling our lives with lots of activity or avoiding people altogether. But the danger with this is that we will, it will only result in a lot of unhealed or unresolved emotional pain that we end up experiencing for a very long time. And if we don't confront or deal with our pain, we risk hurting those around us. And that is not God's best for us. He loves us. And He wants us to give Him access to all of our pain and all of our brokenness so that we can experience the freedom and the healing that He has for us. So, now that we understand why it's important to process our emotional pain, how then do we do it? Let's turn to Matthew 26, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus has just had his last dinner with his disciples and he knows one of them, Judas, is about to betray him. And soon he's going to be arrested, tortured and killed. So we can assume that he is in one of the most emotionally troubling moments of his life. And in verse 36, it says this. Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here, keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak." Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. You know, one of the things I love about this passage is that we get to see the humanity of Jesus. Because just like us, he experienced emotional pain and suffering. So we can take comfort in the fact that he knows our pain and he understands it. And as we look at how he processed his emotions in this passage, the first thing we can learn is that Jesus was aware of his emotions. In verse 38, he says, My soul is crushed with grief. And this acknowledgement of his feelings shows us that he was self-aware because he recognized when he'd become anguished and distressed. Growing up, 
My family was amazing in so many ways. But one thing we weren't so great at was talking about our emotions. So I never felt like I had permission to admit my feelings or to express them openly. I remember one time I came home from school, hunched over, dragging my feet and bag across the floor, all woe is me. And when my mom saw me, she told me this. In life, we need to be strong. Pick ourselves up and keep going. So that's what I did. Whenever I was struggling, I would suppress my feelings, pick myself up and keep going, which in some ways made me more resilient. But it also left me with years of unresolved emotional pain because I was closed off from my emotions. Maybe some of you here can relate to my experience where we haven't been paying attention to our emotions and we've become so good at suppressing them that we're not even aware of the pain that is buried deep below the surface. You know, it's hard to be self-aware if we're cut off from our emotions. And sometimes it can be difficult to know what it is that we're actually feeling. For me, there have been times where I knew I wasn't okay or I knew I was feeling something, but I just couldn't name it or identify it. So over the years, I've had to work really hard to create space and make the time to practice self-awareness. And what I found really helpful is to look at a set of questions to try and figure out my emotions. So I ask myself this, what happened? How did it make me feel? Why did it make me feel that way? What's God saying about it? Now, these questions aren't meant to be, are meant to be a helpful tool, not a formula. So feel free to use them if you'd like to. I usually go through them in a journal because it helps me to write things down. But if the way I do it wouldn't work for you, maybe you could try using this tool while you're driving on a run or a walk. You could even try externally processing these questions with a friend. Also, top tip. Please do not go searching for things to process because speaking from experience, you could end up in a real mess. And try not to process too many things at once because let's be honest, you cannot process your entire life in one day. It's just impossible. So when something happens or God brings stuff up, take one thing at a time whether it's a thought or a memory, and use this tool to help you identify what you're feeling. So not only was Jesus self-aware, he fully embraced his emotions. In verse 38, when he says that his soul is crushed with grief, he was openly acknowledging his emotional distress. He didn't try to ignore it, shut it down, or pretend to be okay. So neither should we. The Bible tells us that God is an emotional being who feels compassion, anger, grief, joy, and we have been created in His image. So as His image bearers, we get to experience emotions too. You see, allowing ourselves to feel is an essential part of being human. We were never meant to live detached from our feelings. But for all kinds of reasons, sometimes we do. 
and we can find ourselves in this situation. Oh, we just fell down. We should cry. Sadness, no! Ah, we can't cry in front of other kids! Stop her! Stop it, Sadness! I can't help it, Joy. I'm entering a sadness spiral. Disgusting. She's getting tears on Joy, me. Joy, calm her down! Uh, okay, uh, how about we stop being sad and, um... Hey, look at this! I'm doing a happy dance. I'm not wearing any pants. Something, something, France. I'm doing a happy dance. Hey! Your desperation makes me sad. Okay, forget that. Um, how about we turn that frown upside down, huh? All right, good hustle, everyone. Now let's get some ice cream. Ice cream! Woo! Whoa! Hello, anger. Get off of me. <laughs> I love that film. I'm sure many of us here can relate to being in similar situations where something happens that upsets us, but instead of embracing our sadness, we metaphorically do a little happy dance. Or we try and paint a smile on our faces to appear okay when what we want or even need to do is cry. But there's a danger with this. If we continue ignoring how we feel, it will keep us from growing emotionally because the truth is our emotions are an essential part of the healing process. They are to be experienced not avoided. Just look at the Psalms. We've just done a series on it. They are full of writers crying out to God in their joy, but also their pain and suffering. So if we want to grow emotionally and become emotionally healthy, we've got to be committed to allowing ourselves to feel whatever we are feeling. Sadness, disappointment, anger, or loss. And the beautiful thing about embracing our pain is that as we do that, it opens up the opportunity for comfort. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we see God described as the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. That's God's heart and promise, to comfort those who mourn. The third thing we can learn from this passage is that Jesus honestly shared his emotions. He didn't keep them to himself or try to deal with them on his own. He told his friends, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. And he prayed to God, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. So here, Jesus was showing us that it's okay to honestly bring our emotions to God and those closest to us. No filter, no edit. But I appreciate that this can be challenging because a lot of us aren't great at being honest about our feelings. We might try to water them down, edit or hold back a lot of what we're actually feeling. And a classic example of this is when people ask us how we're doing and all too quickly we say we're okay or we're fine. And if they really know us, they can tell in our eyes that we're not in a good place. Or we might try to deflect from our pain by saying other people have it worse than we do. But just because someone has it worse than you doesn't mean you're not hurting too. Also, for some of us, the thought of being vulnerable or allowing ourselves to be truly seen can be terrifying. 
so it feels safer or easier to run away and hide. I can totally relate to this. When it came to being vulnerable with God, there were times I would hide from Him because I was angry or disappointed when things didn't go my way. Other times I would hide because I felt guilty or ashamed because of something I'd done. So instead of being honest and bringing those feelings to Him, I would run away or keep Him at a distance. But this never solved anything. It only made my pain worse. John Mark Homer says, Jesus isn't nearly as scared of honesty as we are. We hide how we really feel from God. We hide from our community. And sometimes we even hide from ourselves. But prayer is a safe place to bring all that we are before all that God is. No edit button. You don't have to moralize. You can let whatever is in there come to the surface under the loving gaze of a God whose defining character trait is compassion and who knows very well what it's like to feel everything that you're feeling. You see, God isn't phased by our emotions. He already knows everything about us. So there's no need to hide or be afraid of telling Him how we really feel. We can be completely honest with Him without fear or guilt or shame. Personally, I found that being vulnerable isn't always easy. It takes courage. But when I've been willing to lean into the discomfort and share anyway, it's been so good for me and it can be good for you too. You know, Jesus could have chosen to remain isolated and alone in his pain, but he didn't. He invited his closest friends to be with him and pray. And it's a shame they kept falling asleep, but there's still a recognition here that we need each other, even in our own broken and limited humanity. So if Jesus, who is also God and completely divine, needed others to be with him, you know what? So do we. One of the best things about the church is that we are a family that encourages and builds each other up. And a part of this is being there for one another as we walk through difficult times. For me, I grew up in Zimbabwe. So when I moved to Nottingham, I used to find it really hard being so far away from my family, especially when things were tough and I really needed them to be with me. But my friend Laura and her family embraced me as, her own, as their own. Even during lockdown, when I couldn't be with my own family, they invited me to spend Christmas with them, which meant the world to me because it helped ease some of that pain. Maybe you're here today and you're feeling isolated and alone in your pain. I want to encourage you to be brave and speak up. Find one or two people that you trust or feel safe with and allow them to come alongside you and pray with you. It can be a mentor, a spiritual director, a counsellor, members of your small group, mature friends or family. You know, when I first started, I would meet up once a month with three friends from church and we'd eat together, share honestly about our lives and pray for each other. And to be honest... It was hard at first to open up to them, but now I so value that group because they walked me through some difficult times. So whatever would work for you, please go and do it.
And if you don't know anyone, come down the front at the end because we'd love to meet you and pray for you, whatever you're going through, and help you find your way into being a part of the family here. The final thing we can learn, and actually the key point of this passage, is that Jesus chose to surrender and trust God despite the emotions that he was feeling. In verse 39, he prayed, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And the cup he's referring to here is the pain and suffering he is to endure on the cross. So Jesus knows he's going to die, but he's terrified. And he asks God not to go through it. Again, he prays, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Did you guys catch that? He says, your will be done. You see, Jesus is overwhelmed with sorrow because he knows he's going to be tortured and killed. But underneath his desire not to suffer, was an even deeper desire to allow God to have his way through his life. Can you imagine how he must have been feeling? Can you picture him absolutely wrestling with his emotions in prayer so he can get to the point where his emotions don't master him and he's willing to surrender and trust God no matter the outcome? I wonder... How many of us here can say that we trust God that much? You know, sometimes we need to hold on to our trust in God despite our emotions. But this doesn't mean ignoring them or suppressing them. In this passage, Jesus shows us how to honestly express our emotions and desires to God, yet still surrender and trust Him, even where we might desire a different outcome for ourselves. And the truth is, things in life don't always go to plan. And none of us here are in control of outcomes. But what we can control is the way that we respond when things get hard or we're experiencing genuine pain or suffering. We can either run away from it or we can choose to embrace the process and emerge from our pain transformed with a deeper trust and a new level of intimacy and closeness with God. Don't we all want this? Don't we all want to be ultimately transformed to be more like Jesus? I know I do. Becoming emotionally healthy is an important part of our discipleship. And Jesus is the ultimate example of how we can process our emotions in a healthy way. He never ignored or avoided his pain, but embraced it. He honestly shared his emotions and ultimately chose to surrender and trust God, whatever the outcome. So if you and I want to grow emotionally, we've got to be willing to put in the work so that we can be transformed to be the best that we can be. Because it's not about getting a quick fix. It's a process that takes time, a marathon and not a sprint. So here's the challenge. Are we willing to follow Jesus' example and embrace our emotions? 
Are we willing to be vulnerable and share honesty about our disappointment, sadness, anger, or grief? And are we willing to surrender and trust God no matter the outcome?